0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our Sunday morning service, kicking off our brand new series, The Undeserved, with our very own Pastor Omar Lopez. and a message, he's entitled Undeserved Salvation.
1: Um, Enjoy this message. Staff, everything they've done, they've been, they've been holding it together. And uh, come on, give them a big hand. We can't do it without the team. Again, I can't overemphasize what my wife said. We, we do miss this church, and I don't know if we're just biased, but we're just glad to be in church, man, and to be with our church, worshiping God with you guys, there's a big difference. There is a big difference, and so um, I'm glad to be back. I said I'm glad to be back today. So I want you to turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. So we are so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, we don't do this every service. And so please come back and, and next week we won't do any of this. We're just going to get right into the time. But uh, they want to take some a moment here to do this. So I appreciate that. Uh, but this morning we are starting a new series called Undeserved. Turn to someone and say, I'm undeserved. Now you may think about that and you may say, why do we say that? Because I want to communicate to you something that many times we don't communicate or many times we miss it and I kind of want to remind us of why we should be grateful for the love of God. and We should be grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross so that we could be saved. If it wasn't for him, where would we be? Turn to someone and say, where would I be without Jesus? Where would I be, man? And no matter, no matter what you've achieved in life, no matter where you come from, where you live, in comparison to the grace of God, we're undeserving. And today I want to talk about our salvation and how we receive it, yet God is so gracious to us. And so I want to pray and get right into this. I know we've kind of uh, pressed for time, but I'm going to try to preach this as, give you as much as I can Um Uh, believe the lord for all of us today so father we thank you for your grace it's amazing grace how sweet the sound we thank you lord for our salvation we thank you god today that uh, lord you've done so much for us and and we don't deserve it and so god we pray today you open our hearts our minds everyone that's here whatever state of mind they're in today whatever is happening in their lives i pray the word of god would just unfold I pray God anoint every word that I declare and I preach today and I pray Father that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus name and everyone said. So let me explain something today as we get into this. The reason why many of us don't understand how undeserved we are is because there's something in life that begins to happen in us that is not unhealthy but it's actually kind of healthy, honestly. As you mature in life, as you get older, you begin to learn something called life skills. And one of the things about life is, you get older is you realize that nobody's going to hand you anything. You've got to work for it. Called a work ethic. And again, there's nothing wrong with a work ethic. Uh, you don't get a free lunch. Nobody owes you anything. And we understand the value of Working hard, rolling up your sleeves and getting dirty, right? And uh, getting in and putting in the hard work. You probably heard uh, these statements. You get what you deserve in life. If you want something, you better work for it. And so a lot of us this morning understand this. But because of this work ethic, and again, there's nothing wrong with the work ethic. The only problem with the work ethic mentality is that it doesn't work and operate on God's system. God doesn't operate on the work ethic. He operates on grace. And because of that, it's hard. Again, I'm not saying that having a work ethic is wrong. Again, I think it's very healthy. But I want to say to you is you cannot work your way to heaven. You don't earn your salvation. You don't work to get to heaven. It is the grace of God. And a lot of us this morning, you probably heard these terms. Maybe you can finish some of these Phrases for me. No pain, no There you got it. Work my fingers to the bone. You guys got it. Working at the car wash. Remember that anyway. Uh, work my fingers to the bone. Remember that? Anyway. You, may be, you might have heard this one. God helps those that help themselves. You, so a lot of us this morning, blood, sweat, and tears. Wow, you guys got it. I'm telling you, you guys are on it today. And so because of all of this work ethic... And we have it in our mind, and our heart. We think we have to work our way to heaven, but you can't work your way to heaven. There's a famous quote by a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. Most of us have probably heard. Uh, you maybe have heard of him. He teaches you how to manage your money, how to uh, invest, how to get out of debt. That might help some of you, right? D-E-B-T, doing everything but tithing, right? Uh, get out of debt. That'll help you. That'll bless you. But I'm not even preaching about that. But, uh, but he makes a statement. He says, I'm doing better than I deserve. I'm doing better than I deserve. And uh, I often even hear my son say it. My son Omar, you know, people ask him, how are you doing? He goes, I'm doing better than I deserve. And there's a lot to that statement. But I, I was reading about it uh, just the other day. And some people resent that statement. They say, well, you know, why shouldn't you? Be proud of the work that you do. Why shouldn't you deserve, you know, and it almost, they're making it sound like it's self-degrading. But if you put it in perspective, all of us here are doing better than we deserve. Think about this. You could have been born in a communist country. You could have been born in a third world country. I'll take it further. You could have been born with a disability or a sickness where you would have to depend on somebody else and you couldn't work yourself. So when you look at it at that perspective, you're doing better than you deserve. Every single one of us in this building is doing better than we deserve. And when we think about that, it begins to change your perspective about your life. And I want to share this scripture with you, kind of our opening scripture here, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. It'll be kind of our theme scripture about undeserved. It says, you see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. God or Jesus died for us while we were still weak, while we were still powerless. And when we think about Jesus, he was willing to sacrifice his life for somebody else. When somebody sacrifices their life for somebody else, we call him a hero. But how many would sacrifice your life for an enemy? How many of us would say, yeah, I'm going to die for my enemies? said, no way. Let my enemy die. Am I Right. But Jesus died for us because, believe it or not, we were enemies of God. Now, a lot of you don't like that term, but look it up. Romans 5.10 said, because of our sin and our rebellion against God, we were enemies of God. And if you think about your life, you rebelled against God's standard. You rebelled against God's word. You were hostile toward God. When people begin to share the gospel with you, you didn't want to hear it. And so the Bible says we were enemies, and yet Jesus died on the cross for us. We were prisoners of our sins, and Jesus stepped in and died in our place. Thank God he didn't wait for us to clean up our act, right? Because most of us would have never cleaned it up. If it wasn't for God, he cleaned up our act, and I thank God... How many thank God for the grace today, the grace of God? Now, here's what I want to communicate. Psalm 145, verse 8. It says, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. So God loves blessing people. God loves forgiving people. God loves to give compassion toward people. And let's just be honest, a lot of times, a lot of us don't understand compassion. We don't understand grace because we work just the opposite. Now, can I just be honest with you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a dark part of my life. Is that okay? Maybe, I know some of you are real holy, but for me, <laughs> how many have ever, I mean, I've done this. I'm just going to, maybe I shouldn't even do it publicly, but here I am. I'm going to do it online. How many of you have ever been driving down the freeway and you're driving down the freeway, and this guy comes passing you, driving 90 miles an hour. And he's swerving in and out. I mean, just the other day, me and my wife were driving. This guy is like, my God, there's a maniac there. Look at that guy. He's crazy. And, and then as you drive down about five miles down the road, he's pulled over. And the highway patrol is giving him a big, fat ticket. And in my heart, I kind of say, good, he got what he deserved. <laughs> Now, I know a lot of you are shining your halo right now and you're flapping your holy, you know, angel wing. But for me, I got knobs, you know, I got I don't have a halo. I got a neck brace, but uh, because of all the sin right in my heart. Right. But I, but I kind of get a satisfaction like mm, he got his. How many have ever done that? No, don't don't raise your hand some of you being honest. All right. Now, here's the reality. Thank God. God's not that way. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He has compassion. He has grace. This is why it's hard for us to understand the grace of God. It's hard for us to understand. So when you begin to understand the grace of God, you begin to draw closer to God. You begin to realize that God's not out there trying to wait for you to mess up. God's not out there with a a checklist and saying, oh, you failed. Forget you. I don't want. Don't even look at me. Get out of my face. He's not looking that way. God's looking for ways to pour out his blessing and pour out his grace. So grace, believe it or not, is like a multi-faith diamond. They say that grace has has many aspects to it. See, grace can be empowering. Grace can be forgiving. Grace can be a place where it saves you. That's what I'm talking about. But there's many definitions of grace. Let me just give you a few of them if you want to write it down. Uh, Grace is God's love in action. Another different definition could be God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. God's favor toward the unworthy. And I like this definition. Grace is the face of God that he wears when I look at my failures. He responds with grace. So when you begin to think about the grace of God and how much he's willing to forgive and how much today that you can't work your way, this is the foundation to salvation, because all of us were lost. And that's what I want to talk about today undeserved salvation. And the reason why we could be saved today and that uh, you and I can experience the salvation of God is because of His grace. Turn to someone and say, Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His grace. So what I did this morning is I want to take the word grace and I want to just break it down. And I want to look at the word G or the letter G in grace. And what it stands for, the letter G in grace, what it stands for is God's gift to me. So whenever you think of grace, you think of the gift of God. And Romans chapter 3 verse says, uh, verse 24 says, all of us uh, need to be made right with God by his grace, which is what? A free gift. Jesus Christ in other words like I said earlier because we think we earn it because we think we work for it no grace is the free gift of God It's not something you earn in fact if we were to walk down the street or if you were to talk to a few people if you walk down the sidewalk and begin to talk to some people and you ask them how do you get to heaven you know what most people will tell you well if you're good if you're more good than bad you'll make it to heaven they think like it's going to be a weighing scale and God's going to weigh all your good works and then all your bad works. And if you have more good than bad, guess what? You come on in. Oh, you just got to be a good moral person. You know, you just got to be good in your heart and you're going to make it in. I can tell you today, none of that is going to get you to heaven. It is the grace of God. It is a gift. And this is what separates Christianity from all the other religions. You've got different religions Buddhism, you've got Hinduism, you've got Islam, you've got all these. They have a different system to salvation. And it's one word, and their system to salvation is always based upon what you do. There's always, if you do this ritual, if you do this work, you're going to get there. But the Christianity is not what we've done, it's what he's done. Jesus has done it all. He paid it all on the cross today. This is why when he was on the cross, uh, one of his final words was, it is finished. Not that he's finished, uh, but the plan of salvation has been completed. Uh, Now he's finished it for you. He's done it for you. All you have to do today is receive it. I said, all you have to do is receive it. So the second part or the second letter in grace, uh, the first one is God gift. The second one, our means, uh, receive it by faith. They receive, receive it. So you cannot get the grace of God unless you're willing to receive it. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Is that not of yourself? It is a gift of God. There's a gift. Not of works, so that no one... Could boast. So it is received by faith. Faith unlocks the door to heaven. It basically says to you that you can receive this gift that God has given you by faith. Now, I was going to do this, but I think you guys might have trampled over yourself. I was going to have a hundred dollar bill today. So how many want a hundred dollar bill? You guys would all be jumping. But anyway, if I put it out here and I said, do you want this hundred dollar gift or I have a hundred dollar bill here to give you? And, if, and I said, come and get it, and you just said, well, you know, I see it, I look at it, but if you never received it, you won't get the benefit of it, right? That's salvation. If you don't receive it, then you don't get the benefit of the gift. God's giving you this gift. See, why is it a gift? Because if we got to heaven by our works, some of you or some of us would all brag about it. We'd be in heaven talking about how we made it, what we did to get there, Right? You know, the big fish story and all these things that you did uh, and, and, you know, all these things you've accomplished. It'd be a bragamony, not a testimony. So thank God you don't work your way there. It's the gift of God. And so the scripture is telling us uh, that we receive it by faith. Romans 4.16 says people receive God's promise by faith, by having faith. This happens so that the promise can be received or a free gift. In other words, salvation isn't based on our performance. Uh, It is based on God's promise. Not based on your performance. I, I, I remember this story and a lot of us may be familiar with this story in uh, it's in Second Samuel chapter 9. It's the story of Mephibosheth, okay? Now if you, you can be careful how you pronounce that at the end especially, okay? So I'm going to call him Phoebe. Can I just call him Phoebe? Last thing I want to do is pronounce this wrong. Amen. Mephibosheth. That's the, that's the guy's name. We call him Phoebe. Now who's Phoebe? Phoebe is the son of Jonathan. He be the son of Jonathan, which happens to be King Saul's son. King Saul had a son by the name of Jonathan, and Jonathan had a son by the name of Mephibosheth. Now, why am I sharing this story? At one time, when King Saul was alive, which was uh, Jonathan's dad, he was the king, he got jealous of David. Because David had killed Goliath, and people were all excited about David. until so King Saul got jealous, and so he put out a hit on David. And he began to chase him down, trying to kill David, Chased him around the countryside, trying to get a hold of David and kill him. And David never retaliated. In fact, during that time, King Saul's son, Jonathan, made a covenant with David. And said, hey, listen, Uh, Jonathan said, I know that my dad hates you. I know that my dad is trying to kill you. But I know you're the next king. And you and I are going to make a covenant that that we're going to be friends forever. And that we're going to take care of each other even after we die. This covenant is going to go on. Even after we die, we're going to take care of each other's family. And so they made this covenant together. And sure enough, down the road, uh, David, or King Saul, I'm sorry, and Jonathan died in battle. And now, now King David, or David becomes the king, and as he became, becomes this new king, uh, all of Saul's family, everybody that's in the palace is running, scared, because when the new king shows up, everybody gets killed from the previous regime. And as they're running, there is this nurse that has Phoebe, or... Mephibosheth, right? He he has him, and as they're running, she drops him, and the Bible says he cannot walk from that time on. But they hide him out, and one day, years later, about 10 years later, David is saying, is there anyone left from King Saul's house that I can show some kindness or I can show some grace? And one woman says, well, there is one person by the name of Phoebe, I'm just going to say Phoebe. He, uh, he is the son of Jonathan, and he's hiding out, and he's disabled. And I love what David said, said go find him. Go bring him over here. I want to show kindness to him. And the Bible says they bring him. He can't even walk there. Uh, he's coming. Uh, he's disabled. Uh, and even Mephibosheth says this. He says, who am I? I'm just a dead dog that you called for me. And King David says, you know what? You're my family now. From now on, when I eat at the table, when I dine, you're welcome to sit at the table with me. You are going to be treated like royalty. You're going to be my adopted son. Can I tell you? That's the grace of God for every one of us. We were crippled. We were disabled. You've been dropped. How many have been dropped by the world? You were crumbling. You were crushed. And God says to you, you are welcome to sit at my table. You are my son and you are my daughter. That is the grace of God. I got to give you another picture because all of us know this story of the prodigal son. And that is the story the Bible says where this man has two sons. The father is there and his youngest son comes to him and says, dad, I need my inheritance right now. Basically, I can't wait till you croak, dad. I can't wait till you die. I need my money right now. How disrespectful and dishonoring is that? And the Bible said that the father says, okay. I'll give you your inheritance. So this young guy goes over to, takes his money, goes to uh, Sunset Strip in Jerusalem. And he spends his money, <laughs> you know, he spends it on wine and dine and women and everything. And uh, he had all, he have the big party. And guess what? He runs out of money. The Bible says uh, he can't even find a place to work. And he finally finds this place feeding pigs. And the Bible says he wants to eat the king's food uh, or he eats the pig's food, I should tell you. And the Jewish, let me just say something about Jewish people. Jewish people don't eat pork. In fact, they stay away from pig. That is the worst thing you can do. And so here is this young man and he's in a mess. And he realizes he has failed. He realizes he's messed up. He realizes he's dishonored his father. He dishonored God. And he says to himself, You know what? Here I am. I'm feeding pigs, but my dad's servants eat better than I do. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And I'm just going to ask to be a servant. And the Bible says, we know the story, he makes his way back to the father. And if he's making his way back, I mean, he stinks. Uh, he's smelling like pig. Uh, uh, I don't know, chicharrones, whatever he's smelling like. He's coming back. Uh, and he's making his way back. And you know what? Uh, instead of the dad said, forget you, man. Why don't you show up? The Bible said that the father runs out to him and gives him a big bear hug. And he doesn't wait for his son to get cleaned up. He doesn't wait for his son to take a shower first. He embraces him in all of his mess and all of his dirt and says, man, put a robe on him. My son is home. He was dead, but he's alive again. And he embraces him and welcomes him home. See, that's the grace of God. You have to receive it in order to get it. It's the gift of God. I have one of our brothers here today. He's going to share his testimony of how God embraced him. I want Brother Angel, if you'll come on up and share.
0: Good morning, guys. Um, You guys know me. My name is Angel, but if you don't know me, my name is Angel. Um, But I want to share something with you all this morning, real fast. so here we go. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is my favorite verse. My testimony could be summarized by that one verse, and I'm sure many of you can share, the feelings, share feeling the same way. God's salvation brought so much transformation in my life that I really am a new creation. All my former self is dead, crucified with Christ. Today I am new. Christ's suffering and death brought me new life, freedom, and conversion. It still continues through today and will for the rest of my life. My former desires, identity, mindsets, and priorities shifted when I encountered God. I was so undeserving to take anything from the hands of God. I had all I desired and hoped for. I was independent. I had money. I partied and went to clubs, had sex and took drugs. I was full of pride. The lifestyle I lived was a homosexual lifestyle. I had revelation that it was just fueled by lust in my heart. Strong attractions toward men led me to be promiscuous, and the alcohol and smoking just increased it. In my arrogance, I pushed away anyone who didn't affirm my life and my choices. I chased after false love and affection in man. I had countless affairs, countless battles of alcohol, bottles of alcohol, I'm sorry, uh, walled as a teenager to get in trouble and act on my feelings. My broken home fueled my disobedience to God and to my mother. I wanted no voice but my own to dictate and select my life choices. It was just all pride. Yet, at the moment of losing my beloved aunt, I realized I lacked one thing, the gift of eternal life that comes by believing in Jesus. I found myself reaching out for prayer because of depression and chaos in my life, despite having everything that I wanted. I was shared, given the gospel, and humbled myself to God, praying for forgiveness and repenting of my life. I knew without Jesus, I was a sinner destined for hell. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And what's so crazy is that in the eyes of God, according to the law in Leviticus, I was committing shameless acts with other men, so wicked God called it abominable. I was an enemy of God, breaking his holy law. And despite this, his compassion and mercy is evident today. You and I are called forgiven because of Jesus Christ. The church preaches the gospel, this gospel message. In Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Amen. Don't run from the gospel. God says he stands at the door of our hearts, knocking and knocking, wanting to come in and fellowship to save all lawbreakers like me and to guide them to the knowledge of truth to be saved. God even says so in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11 and 12. I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. And 2 Corinthians 517 reads, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. Wow. Wow.
1: Wow, powerful, huh? The grace of God, I said the grace of God. So the A stands for, it's available to everyone. No matter who you are, no matter what walk of life you come from, no matter if you're a goody two-shoes, it's available to you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, the promise is not only for those people that live under the law of Moses, but it is for anyone who lives with faith like Abraham. Why does Paul say that? Because he said the Jewish people, they worked under the law. They were the chosen people of God. And, and you would say, why were they the chosen people? Because these were the people that God called chosen because he had a message for them to spread around the world and that th- he was their God. And the Bible says many of them turned away from God. And so therefore, God made grace not only available to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people like you and I. He made it available for all of us, no matter who you are. The Bible says, whoever called upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How many thank God for that? Whoever calls, uh, it's available for everyone. And so it doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life you come from. God's grace is available for you. I think God's grace is available for you. I got to go quickly here. The C stands for Christ, in other words, uh, comes through Christ, it comes through Christ, so you cannot receive the grace of God without Jesus, the Bible says in John 117, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, now, I want to just say this to you, why just Jesus, a lot of people say, well, why is Jesus the only way, because uh, he paid the price for your admission, because salvation is not cheap. Did you hear me? It's a free, but it's not cheap. Jesus paid the price. He paid your way to get to heaven. And because of Jesus, you can be saved today. It's a free gift of God that only come through Christ. And this is what grace does. When you think you blew it, when you think, man, I've messed up, I've done too many wrong things, I've gone the wrong way, I've made too many bad choices, I've made too many mistakes, grace says, you know what, I'm going to get you right back on the right track and get you right with God. That's what grace says. Romans 5.15 says, many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. And throughout scripture, the Bible says, my life is hid in Christ. In other words, somehow in Christ, when God looks at you and he looks at your life today, he sees Christ in you. Let me give you, let me just give you an illustration. If, let me just say this, this, this paper right here represents our life. Notice it says sin, right? And this Bible, let's just say this Bible represents Jesus, and when we take our lives, just, just begin to think about your life, your sins, your, the things that you've done in your life. When you think about all the things, some of the things we're so ashamed of. Some of the things that ripped up our life, am I right? I mean, our lives just got ripped up by sin. So many mistakes, so many failures, so many things that you're even ashamed to tell somebody that you've done. Your life, believe it or not, in my life was a mess. And what happens is... When we give our life to Jesus, again, it's available to everyone. We receive it. When we give our life to Jesus, it's like Jesus is like this Bible. And our lives are hid with Christ. And it's sealed. And now when we look at our lives, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our lives. He sees Christ. We are hid with Christ. Are you with me? He sees Christ in you. He sees what God has done. Now, he sees, he doesn't see your imperfections. He sees the grace of God. And so God treats you like a son. He treats you like a daughter. He treats you like one of his. Look at what the Bible says in Galatians 2.21. Don't treat the grace of God as meaningless, it says, for if we could be saved by keeping the law, there would be no need for Christ. In other words, today, if you can get to heaven on your own, if you can earn it, then there would be no need for Jesus to die on the cross. But because he knew you couldn't get your act together, because he knew we're all failures without him, Jesus came and died on the cross, and now our lives are hid with Christ. And the final one, E, stands for eternity or extended through. Eternity. The Bible says this in Romans 6 23. It says the way to the sin is death, but the free gift of God is what eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the grace of God keeps on going. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Hallelujah. <laughs> Throughout eternity. Amen. You could say this gift just keeps on giving and giving and giving. It's the free gift of God that continues to give all the way through eternity. Now, let me just tell you something about the grace of God and the benefit of getting to heaven. When I begin to think about eternity and I begin to think about heaven, it's going to be a place of reunion with those that have gone before us. How many thank God? It's going to be a place of reward. God's going to reward us uh, uh, for the things that we've done. Not that we, not that, uh, that God us to heaven, grace God us to but there's going to be reward for the things that you've done. There's going to be a reassignment. God's going to reassign your your life to something greater. And think about this. It's going to be a place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more loneliness today. But here's the catch. You've got to accept it in your life. You cannot receive the grace of God unless you accept it. Now, when I talk about grace, it's not a license to go and sin and do whatever you want to do. When you give your life to Jesus, it empowers you now to do the right thing. You remember that woman that was caught in adultery? I can have the worship team come on up if they want. Uh, the woman that was caught in adultery, the Bible said that Jesus was there and he was teaching. And they brought this woman that was caught, caught in the very act of adultery. And the Bible said they wanted to stone her. And they begin to question Jesus. That the law of Moses says she deserves death. She should be stoned to death. And Jesus began to write on the floor. We know the story. And he's writing on the floor and he turns to them. And he says, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. You've never sinned. Go ahead and throw the first stone. Nobody, everybody, the Bible says begin to walk away. And Jesus turned to this woman and he says, where, where are those that condemn you? She goes, they're not here. He goes, no, I don't condemn you either. But you know what Jesus said? Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her you know what just uh, just keep doing what you're doing keep living the life that's destroying you keep living this immoral life no jesus said go sin no more i'm giving you the power now i'm giving you the grace now that you don't have to go sin anymore that you can get your life right see that's what grace does it not only covers us it not only cleanses us it not only gives us liberty but it empowers us to live the right way you're not on your own you have the grace of And today, grace is here so that we can be saved and that we can keep going. Grace sustains us through the hard time. Grace gives us strength when we're battling in life, when we feel like giving up. It's the grace of God. And friend, when we think how undeserving we are, we ought to get up every morning thanking God for his grace. I think We ought to get up every morning thanking God for his grace. I stand here today because of the grace of God. I appreciate people, and I appreciate honor. I appreciate people thanking me. I appreciate all that. But I'll be honest, it's the grace of God. That's really all it is. It's just the grace of God. The same grace I have is the same grace you have. We just have to begin to activate it and be thankful. Wake up every morning thankful, friend, that we're, we're, you know what, we're doing better than we deserve. So let's pray. Why don't we bow our heads in reverence to God. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this gift. That if it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be today? If it wasn't for your grace, God, how would our lives end up? But Father, we thank you for the grace of God. We thank you, Lord, that you've been so good we don't deserve it God we've done nothing to earn it it's just been your grace so father I pray reach across this building right now and pour out your grace all over this building with every head bowed every eye closed for just a moment Christians you can be praying quietly here if you're in this building today maybe you came on your own maybe somebody brought you maybe it's your first time here maybe you've been here before but you know what You know about the grace of God, but you've never accepted the grace of God. You've not received it. You know it's a free gift, but it does you no good if you don't receive it. And can I tell you something? We all need it. No matter who you are, what walk of life you come from, what you've done, doesn't matter. You need God's forgiveness. You need God's grace. You're not going to get to heaven on your own. I'm just going to be honest with you. The Bible said that Jesus makes a statement that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. And that no one comes to the Father but by him. You cannot make it to heaven on your own good merit. You can't make it to heaven on your good deeds. You need the grace of God. You need God's forgiveness. And it can only come through Christ today. So Christ is the answer to your life. You need Christ in your life right now. And can I just be honest? You're not here by coincidence. I believe God brought you here. You need to understand that God loves you. His love's been running after you, friend. And God is saying, please, I'm giving you a gift. Will you receive it? It's the gift of salvation. It's the gift of grace and forgiveness and love today that he's reaching out to you. So whoever you are in this building right now, I don't want you to pass up this opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to receive the grace of God, to receive God's forgiveness. To have Jesus in your life today. You need him. We're lost without him today. So if you're in this building right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, right now, no one looking around. You say, Pastor, I need the grace you're talking about. I need Christ in my life. I need God in my life today. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick that's me pastor I need Christ in my life who are you right now right over here number of people here who else who else you just be honest with you. you're not going to be by yourself is there anybody else right now that say, that's me I need God in my life I need Christ in my life today that's you raise your hand raise your hand man if you know God dealing with you you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life right now don't ignore that respond to it and say you know what I need God in my life man I need Christ in my I need God's grace. Pastor, I know what you're talking about. Raise your hand right now if you haven't raised it up already. Raise it up real quick. Say, that's me. That's me. Anybody else? That's me. All over this building right now. God is reaching out. His grace is pouring out. I don't know how else to tell you. God cares about you. If you just raise your hand. I raised my hand 40 years ago and my life was completely changed. By his presence. My life was completely transformed. Today, don't leave this place without Christ. Raise your hand right now. So that's me. That's me. Whoever you are right now, all over this building. Maybe you were once serving God. Maybe at one time you were once walking with God, but you're away from God right now. You know you're not right with God. You need to come back home. You've been away from God right now. And you need to return home right now. Say, man, Pastor. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. That's me over here. God bless you, young lady here. Who else? We don't want you to leave this place the same. This is the most important part of this service. Not not any other part of this service is more important than you getting right with God right now. Who are you? Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? You'd raise your hand. Say, that's me. Over there. Thank you, young lady. God's waiting for you. Who else? who else? God's waiting for his grace is here, the grace of God is in this building right now all you have to do is raise your hand God didn't make it complicated you don't have to work you don't have to go through some obstacle all you've got to do is raise your hand and say yes I need Christ in my life is there anybody else right now before this service is over, you'd be honest with God be honest with yourself I need God in my life right now, is there anyone else? there anyone else hallelujah if you raise your hand look up at me real quick you mean that back there you mean that you mean that over here over here i want to pray for you i want to pray for you would you stand would you stand would you guys stand and just come come meet me right here come meet me right here i'm not here to embarrass you we have other people stand with you god bless you thank you for coming god bless you guys thank you thank you god bless you who else god bless you Several people coming. Anybody else coming? You say, man, I should be up there. I know I should be up there. I'll wait for you. Make your way down here right now. I'll wait for you. Is there anybody else? You say, I should be up there right now. I I, I, I knew I should have raised my hand. Come on up here. We'll pray for you right now. We'll pray for you right now. Amen. Amen. Somebody else coming. Come on, give them a hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? We'll clap for you here. We're excited for you. We're excited for you. I want us all to pray right now. I want us to pray this prayer. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I ask you, Lord, today to come in my heart to forgive me of all my sins. Change my life. Be Lord of my life. Make me a new person from this day forward. I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray for them. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for every person that has come forward today. God, they're asking you into their hearts and lives. Some are rededicating their hearts to you, Lord. We ask today for your grace. We ask today for your power, God, to to come over them right now. Let them experience your love. Come on, let's stand together out there right now, all of us this morning. Let's begin to pray for them right now. Father, we thank you. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. I want to remind everyone in this building today how undeserved we are. And we thank God for his grace today. Maybe we just need to talk to God. Maybe we need to take a moment to come to the altar and thank God for his grace. Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for shaving me. Thank you, Lord, for touching me when you've done when you did. God for changing my life. I'm so undeserved. But God, I'm grateful. We're not we're not careful. We feel entitled. But it's the grace of God. So I'm opening the altar today. They're gonna lead us in worship. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. You come, we'll pray for you today. we will at the grace of God over your life. Come on, let's just begin. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.